Hey, and we're live. And has anybody ever started one of these things without saying, oh, we're live, as if it's like some big surprise, as if we're not the ones pushing the button here. I'm Dayan Kovacevic. I'm joined by Alex Stumpf. And uh, big, big week in Pittsburgh sports. And Alex, just first of all, as someone who, like me, went through this whole pandemic with days where we wondered what on earth we were going to write about and what on earth we were going to do, how nice has this been? It has been really nice. Like I, like I'm working on something that you know on the side that I wasn't able to do at all last year. Doing that with you know actual beat work on top, it's a lot of okay. Do I have enough time to get this and get this extra interview? It, it's a nice problem to have. Yeah, it sure is. I'm gonna I'm going to uh, do a little bit of sharing here before we get started with the the formal part of the program. And for anybody who doesn't know what that means means like we put stuff on our company account, but then if we share it off of our private accounts, it uh, it expands things a little bit there. I just did Twitter. I'm going to do Facebook. And then Alex and I will get going here. Alex, why don't while we're waiting, why don't you take a, a run, at everybody, run at everything that's going on right now, beginning with the baseball team tonight? Yeah, yeah tonight it's going to be – Tyler Anderson versus Jacob Junis of the Royals, the best Who? team in record, the best record in baseball, Kansas City Royals. Oh, I didn't I know like, that. Seriously? Better than the Dodgers? Seriously, seriously better than the Dodgers. Well, I mean, the Dodgers have had to slug it out with the Padres six or so times already. So Hey, that didn't stop the Pirates. Yeah. <laughs> they hung in there. They, they beat Snell and Musgrove back-to-back, and you know what? They needed to beat Musgrove out of those two. <laughs> right there. But, yeah, this is a – this is a nice little test series because like the twins, you know, last year, won the division, but they're a little sluggish to start, you know, the tigers and not a great ball club winning in Milwaukee was a good validity. Hey, that was a solid series win. Here's another chance at home for one of those. Oh, you mean for the pirates? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, the other way of looking at it is that the Royals are probably playing over their heads. Uh, although I'm sure the yeah. Royals are saying the same thing about the pirates. <laughs> I, I think they're, built pretty similarly that you know it's it's a really good bullpen the offense will produce enough and some decent starting pitching <laughs> mr know-it-all is on the job <laughs> uh, dale lolly has joined us all right we're about to we're about I, to get i saw your tweets earlier about the uh the thing and the guy said that i act like i know everything you know i i love it when people complain about their experts acting like they know it all like go ahead and follow an expert that doesn't know it all have at that yeah well then there's that um all right let's get started here and we will go right now hello and welcome to afternoon ask anything with uh, the dk pittsburgh sports staff i'm dan kovacevic i'm joined by alex stumpf our baseball writer and dale lolly our football writer and there's a heck of a lot going on uh, between Pirates versus the best team in baseball tonight at PNC Park. Uh, that would be the Kansas City Royals. Penguins against the Bruins, part two, after what might have been the best game of the year played at PPG Paints Arena. The Penguins won to nothing victory on Sunday. And I don't know, Dale, something else this week? Anything else? Nothing I can think of. No, uh, you know, no. and, uh, okay. just, it's, right. it's just a little thing well, called the draft. They'll, they'll Piction players this week. Okay, well, whatever anybody's got here, we're uh, we're all ears. Uh, I wouldn't be doing my diligence here if I didn't greet Richard and Rick and Donnie and Dan and everybody else, uh, our other regulars who come here 
Ed says that I am in the house. In fact, this is not true, Ed. I am not in the house. I am in the studio. Let's uh, let's get started here with Michael Nesbitt, who asks, is there any chance the Pirates take Jordan Lawler over the Vandy pitchers? For anyone who doesn't know, Jordan Lawler is the high school shortstop who is beginning to be placed alongside Jack Leiter in some of these rankings. Yeah, he, he's the best high school prospect in this draft. And you can never 100%. I mean, we're not going to know 100% that it's going to be Jack Leiter until the parts make the selection. It should right. be it, Jack Leiter. It should be Jack Leiter. I agree with that. Maybe if they – this is just a hypothetical. I'm not saying that this is actually being considered right now. But if the parts do, they could go under slot with Lawler and they could just dominate the rest of the draft, just spending as much money everywhere – Maybe that's something they should go with, but they've got a lot of middle infield prospects. Jack Leiter is a generational type talent at at one one. I have a hard time seeing them pick anyone else. Dale, is there any way that the Steelers won't take a running back in round one? Oh yeah, I mean anything's possible. I mean there's there's a lot of different scenarios there. I think you know if one of the top four offensive tackles uh, falls to them, that would be you know Jenkins. Darisaw, and then of course the top two uh, guys um, that are probably going to be top ten. I could see that doing it. Um, you know, they could perhaps, you know, if it, let's say for example one of the top two corners falls or the top, you know, th- there's all kinds of scenarios there. Again, what the Steelers will do was they'll put out a list of their twenty four guys in order of how they would take them, and if if you know their rankings come up with a guy who's say ranked 10th on their list, who's available at 24 and the running backs are ranked 14th. They'll probably take the guy who's 10th, um, you know, just based off of that, because that's also based on their needs. It's not just based strictly on, well, here's the top 24 guys in the draft because they're not going to take a, a four, three defensive end or something like that. They've got those guys ordered in their in the, at their positions of need. Uh I'll tell you what, trying to read the room yesterday over at Heinz Field, you and I were both over there for that press conference. You can never read the room in that situation. I either. tried. <laughs> I tried. I'm allowed to try. It, Dale, it's the first room we've been in to try to read someone forever. So I was more than happy to give that a shot. Ed asks, uh, when Gino does come back, how disruptive could his return be to the current role or chemistry that the team is on Um Ed, if Genny Malkin is one of the top, at least one of the top 75 or 80 players in the history of hockey, his return is, we're trying to turn this into a a discussion point where it's just, oh no, what will they do when this immensely talented player, who by the way, who by the way, before he was hurt, was the best player on the team. So how we have taken this conversation from Gino getting hurt to he's now going to poison the club when he returns. Look, all the Penguins are doing is playing 200-foot hockey. All you tell Evgeny Malkin when he comes back is that he is invited to participate in 200-foot hockey. You know what he was doing before he got hurt? He was playing 200-foot hockey. You know what he did all of last season? You get the idea here. He started really slowly this year. Why? Conditioning, no exercise bikes in Russia. I don't know what it was, but he started really, really slowly. That's not that's not the case anymore. Do you think he gets undervalued 
by Penguins fans. Dale? I think he has. He has to, Dale. Think about think about the circumstance. It, it's it's it, he's playing alongside Sidney Crosby his entire career. I mean, there's even though he on his own has won a scoring title, he, he on his own has won an MVP, he on his own has won a playoff MVP. He and Sid together have won three cups, but there it's it's just too parallel. You know, so no, I, I don't know that. I, I often wonder what would be the reaction if he were traded and he came back. Remember the big scene from Marc Andre Fleury when he returned and how emotional. I wonder if Malkin would get the same thing that Flower did. So if that answers your question, you know, uh, let's see what else we got here. <laughs> Bill says, Who's your favorite pirate to follow on social media? Is there anyone doing interesting things a la Juju and Claypool? Or Trevor Bauer from the Dodgers. I this I he doesn't post a whole lot, and I guess I should say I'm personally not on Instagram, so I miss that portion of the social media thing. So it's just Twitter for me. I do like the there's like a portion of like problematic tweets that Major League Baseball players stars have made, and then they're like Cole Tucker's tweets, and it's him liking the forcibly gripping food meme page so it's like just a guy squeezing the heck out of a out of a hard-boiled egg like that that's the pirates problematic tweet in that area. yeah cole tucker cole tucker probably stands out of guys on the current roster i would say that the answer is a definitive n slash a they are not they are you know what baseball is a different world and maybe you're referring to bill culturally and stuff like that that's not the thing with baseball the reason you don't see a whole lot of baseball activity on social media is the obvious they have a game every single day they don't have time they're at the, they're at the ballpark at noon every day and this you know is, yeah this is the last thing that these guys have on their minds here russell says hey dale and dk i've really enjoyed your analysis on the upcoming nfl draft dale i'm sure he's referring to mine <laughs> As long as we're clear on that, <laughs> I would really like to see the Steelers trade back in the first round. Uh, do you think that's even remotely possible given the comments from Kevin Colbert yesterday? And I'll, I'll just begin it by saying Colbert sure made it sound like it was. Well, he certainly didn't discount it like he did oh. trading up uh, because he was asked about both. I mean, I think the, obviously they would, yeah, they would be welcome to trading down. They would, they would be open to it, but it takes two to tango. You're not just going to say, Hey, uh, uh, whoever Tampa Bay, you got to give us your thirty the thirty second pick for twenty four and toss in your uh, your third round pick. Doesn't work that way. So while it sounds great on paper, yeah, they, they got to trade back. There are probably ten teams that would like to trade back. It's just not always possible. Swan says uh, you expressed joy at being at a press conference in person. Do you feel that Coach Tomlin felt the same? You know, honestly. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, it, not while it wasn't joy, but I, I I was sitting up near the front, and when when he and Colbert walked up the steps on this platform that they were sitting at, Tomlin looked out over the room, and he goes, he said something along the lines of, all right, all right. And I think, that, again, there's an appreciation. You know what I mean? Dale, you're yeah. nodding. I think you know what I mean. There was an appreciation. Look, I haven't seen any of these people in more than a year. I'm used to seeing them all the time. And everybody's here. Everybody's okay. Everybody's healthy. We're getting through this, and it's almost done. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the process, and I think Tomlin realizes that's part of the process. That that you know, getting guys get getting back to in front of the media for the first time 
is part of the, the, the process of getting back to normalcy. And I, you know, he's a guy that, uh, during practices at training camp, we'll walk over and, 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 and talk to the media members just to BS for a couple of minutes. He does it with everybody. Yeah. How are you just, doing? What's going on with you? Yeah. yeah. Just kind of come over and, 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 and acknowledge your existence. Um, you know, so th- that was one of those moments like, Hey, you know, I appreciate what you guys have, have gone through to, to continue covering this team and Hey, we're back. Yeah. Uh, and, and by yeah. the way, when we, when we were at, when we were taking turns at the microphone in the back, uh, you know, a, a lot of us went and took the time to express appreciation to them because a lot of these guys, uh, including the Steelers media relations staff led by Burt Loughton, have gone above and beyond in this pandemic to make sure that we're accommodated in all kinds of different ways and to make sure, by the way, that we could keep doing our jobs, you know, right. uh, which, you know, has obviously been. Uh, which is for you guys. That's you know? that's kind of that's kind of how that works here. Uh Eric says, will it take another defensive effort like Sunday to beat the Bruins again? I, I know the easy answer is to say yes, but I don't think so because Boston is as, as good as they are defensively. Uh, they got great, not good. They got great goaltending the other day. The Penguins had 11 high danger chances to Boston's two in that game. The Penguins had 30 overall scoring chances to Boston's 13. By all rights, the Penguins should have smoked them. Okay. So I'm not going to rule out that the Penguins could just go on an offensive run and win very, very differently uh, in, in this game here. Let's do uh, – I think I think we have a baseball one here. Eh, not really. Tyler says, love your Daily Shot of Pirates podcast. Listen every morning on the way to work. Going to the game Friday for my birthday and going to try out the North Shore Tavern for the first time. Now here's a topic we all can tackle. Go ahead, Alex. Get the Delmonico. I, I'm not sure exactly when they added it, but I went last week. They got the Delmonico. I've been dreaming about it. it was oh, you on good. the stone? Steak on oh, stone? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Make sure you tell them that we sent you over, too. Yeah. That always helps. There's also that. <laughs> uh, Matt brings up that the Steelers exercised Minka Fitzpatrick's fifth-year option. This is the least surprising news in the history of least surprising news. Uh, but Matt asks, any of this impacting the team going forward with possible signings? No, because it doesn't affect his salary this year. Uh, it affects his salary next year. Which so, definitely doesn't affect anything. with all Right, the because they, they get all kinds of cap space. Yeah. The only thing this does is because that is fully guaranteed the moment that they offer it, is it essentially guarantees this year's salary for him as well. Because they can't, they don't want to cut him, obviously. But, you know, so the, the minute you offer that that fifth year option salary, that becomes fully guaranteed, which means you're not going to get rid of the guy between now and then because his, his next year salary is guaranteed. We'll see what happens here with Terrell Edmonds as well. Um, they get more time before they have to make that decision. But it was never in doubt that they were going to pick up Minka Fitzpatrick's uh, fifth year option. Saxon asks, isn't it crazy to think that the Pirates have – won almost as many games as they did all of the shortened season last year, this year. Um, yes. No, I, I don't know. Go ahead. You first. Go ahead. I, I It's something I that actually crossed my mind on this last road trip. 19 and 41, by the way, was their record last year. And right now yeah. they're 11 and 11. I mean, let's just start with this team is playing a whole lot better to start this. That's season. the thing. Yeah. But it's just kind of. I don't know. I guess I'm just too conditioned with baseball history to be here at the end of April. It's like, yeah, they have half as many wins as they did last year already. Yeah. I I, I mean, to me, and I said this at the time, 
2020 was more the outlier than what we're seeing now because 2020 was players individually performing so far below their career norms and or expectations that that part wasn't sustainable. And Alex knows what I'm talking about when I say that even down in Bradenton, when you heard Brian Reynolds, for example, talk about hitting 183 last year, he was he did so with defiance, which is just not easy to get defiance out of Brian Reynolds. He's not the most animated uh, talker, but he was like, I know who I am. I know what I am. It wasn't that. When it's such a shortened season day on, if, yeah. you, if you have a 20, let's say you have a, a, a game or 20 game streak where you have, you know, you go five for 40 or something like that. Your season's shot. You can't well, recover from that. that. That was the thing is, 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 is that was what I heard a lot from Derek Shelton during the off season when he was talking about those guys is that Dale, exactly what you're saying. They got through one month. And there was this big struggle. And then normally in baseball, you get through a bad month. Like, let's say, for example, the one Kevin Newman's just had. You still have five months ahead of you. Right. You know that you okay. I can still get this up. At that point last year, you're going, I'm toast. Like, yeah. I could I could, I could, could hit 400 the rest of the way, and my, my season's still going to be garbage. That's why they talk about it as a 162-game season. You know, you're going to go through those ebbs and flows. Well, last year, you saw the ebbs, and we never got a chance to see the flow because – the season was over. And building off one more real fast here before we yeah, get going. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Take Gregory Polanco, for example. And I know there's going to be a little bit of eye rolls talking about this. <laughs> but during this five-series stretch where the Pirates have won two games each time, have won or split all of them, Gregory Polanco is like a 350 on base percentage and 500-something slugging. And that is partially because he was able to unplug for a couple of days. There's a big difference between you're going to sit three days whenever you're playing 162 versus you're going to sit three games whenever you're playing 60, because that's just 5% of your season right there. That's you're on the bench for. So we, having that affordability is a big factor, I think. All I want to do is show off the technology here and say, we will be right back after these messages. At DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. That makes me irrationally happy. All right, let's see what's next. Uh, Mr. Eric asks if the Bucks coaching staff is getting any recognition at all for what they're doing. I know Oscar Marine's getting recognition from Alex. I know that much. Yeah, and I put this actually in the comments section. I, I couldn't work it into the story. But not only has the staff taken a step, it's been a necessary step because they fell so far behind with Sirich with a lot of this stuff. With oh, tunneling. that's not what I thought you were going to say. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. With, with, with tunneling, with falling behind with analytics, technology, how to have your best stuff play instead of just relying on, you know, two seamers and sinkers. The fact that this team, especially with the overturn that they've had with the pitching staff from what he inherited in 2020 to right now, I think he doesn't get enough credit for that right now. And just in general, they've had a whole 
year. There isn't a pause in the middle. This has actually been a normal baseball season where they could get normal instruction. I think we're seeing some of that come through. Dale, the top three running backs are gone by what draft pick? And, of course, we're referring here to Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. I don't I don't see them making it past, say, pick 35. Uh, wow. I have, all three? I have all three right, right, around, right around the top 32. Um, the top of the second round, I think you see – uh, that if if two of them are still there by by this by day two, I think they both go early in round two. I just it, it's such uh, you know I know a lot of Steeler fans like like Trey Sermon out of Ohio State, uh, 2019, uh, tore his LCL L or LDL I'm sorry in his knee, had to have surgery, shut him down. His 2020 season, he had two really big games for them against Northwestern and, and uh, uh, Clemson. Really, the first time in his career where he where he'd gotten the ball, you know, thirty times in a game, goes out against Alabama and gets hurt on the first carry. There's a little bit of James Conner there. I'm a little, you know, after watching James Conner the last three three years. I'm, yeah, I'm, you don't want I'm that. A little, I'm a little gun shy in these running backs that get beat up, and he's a bigger guy like Conner. I worry about that, so I think that's why I look at these top three backs and say you got to get one of those three guys. I'm not betting on any of these later round backs to become the starter. I just, I'm just not because they don't have one. You can't go into this season with, well, maybe it's Trey Sermon or maybe it's Chuba Hubbard or one of these guys. You got to know who's your number one. This one's right in my wheelhouse here. Maxwell Peckich asks, if you had to put together an all-time Pirates outfield, who would you put out there? I am. I am. This is, I am ironclad in this. First of all, I could be that that renegade weirdo in all this who who could argue for Paul Wayner instead of Roberto Clemente and Wright, but I'd lose everybody who's ever read anything. You can make a really good case for Paul Wayner. The difference is there isn't a Paul Wayner museum in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I'll go left to right, Willie Stargell, Max Carey, and Roberto Clemente. Uh, Max Carey, to me, is easy. Uh, the, the Pirates have a history of some outstanding center fielders. Bill Verdon was part of that. Andy Van Slyke, even though he didn't win a world championship, uh, was just a tremendous uh, center fielder, particularly defensively. Uh, and then the left field for me is easy because Willie Stargell's best years, his most explosive years, the 48 home runs, the 1971 World Series, came while Willie was still in left. And he didn't move to first base until later. And – Go ahead. If anybody else has any whatever, I'm not accepting bonds. I have my finger on the buzzer here. I'm just as a point. Are we talking whole careers? Or are we talking peaks? Well, it's Max's question here, but but uh, okay for the peak. Willie's a left fielder for all intents and purposes. His peak, his his best years. You know, he joined the Pirates in 1962, and he, I don't think he moved to first base. I want to say until 73 or 74. Something like that. So, yeah, See, that's, all the, that's that's all the Willie Stargell that I remember from like seventy three, seventy four on. Okay, yeah, um, he, he was a left fielder. Well, I, I know he was. I just don't know. I mean, I, Barry Bonds won won MVP awards for the steel or for the Pirates um, playing left field. So did so did Willie. I I hear you. I hear <laughs> you. Going to say Ralph Kiner in in all this. Kiner is, yeah, that's a that's a really good one. Well, you know, they won yeah. fifty games, or they won fifty games with them. They could lose fifty games they without. Could them. Lose 50, <laughs> 50 without. They lose hundred without them. Yeah. 
Yeah, Matt says Dave Parker in right field. Um, not not over Clemente. Omar Marino says Matt, not over Max Carey. Uh, I'm a big, big believer that your entire franchise history counts. It's not just whenever you start being aware uh, of what the team is here. Ed jumps in and says to say Willie was very good in left. I mean, Willie wasn't a gold glover out there, uh, but he, he could handle the position. Uh, that's for sure. He had the arm. Yes. He, he probably could have played right if it wasn't for, you know, Clemente, arm-wise. Yeah. I, I, Roberto had these the slight edge on the arm yeah. <laughs> yeah. over there. Uh, Greg asks, what are the expectations for Anthony McFarland in 2021? Did he see the field as much as he was expected to in 2020? D- disappointed. I, I was disappointed in him. Well, here's the thing, and you saw this with all the, the rookie running backs except those guys who had to play. If there was another back there, a more experienced back there, they got playing time ahead of the rookies across the board in the league last year mm-hmm. because of pass blocking. It's it's so overlooked that your running back has to be able to pick up blitzers. And because there was no preseason last year where teams – you didn't get a chance as, as a coaching staff to see, okay – He's out there with the second or third team unit. He picked up that free guy and did his job the way he was supposed to. I'm not putting Anthony McFarland out there in game, you know, week two, uh, you know, picking up a blitzer with Ben Roethlisberger standing in the backfield. I'm just not going to do it. So, you know, they kind of had to ease those guys in. You saw it across the league. The only, the only two guys, the rookies that got playing time right away were James Robinson and Jacksonville because they didn't have anybody else. And and Edwards Hilaire in Kansas City because he was easily their best guy. Yeah, they didn't the have anybody them, before him. Yeah. yeah, the rest of them were all kind of worked in, and you saw them pick up speed as the season went on. But they weren't. Nobody handed those those jobs to those rookies because of the pass blocking. The Steelers had other guys. There, pass blocking was not Anthony McFarland's strong suit to begin with, but you certainly weren't, weren't going to use him a lot out uh, there, not having seen him done it in training camp and in preseason. Somebody asked me for a, a podcast I did earlier in the week if 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 the Steelers should be worried about whether or not Najee Harris can pass pass no, or pick he up can do it. Even even if he couldn't, it can be taught. The the commitment can be imposed. Well, there's okay? a difference in and size. There's a difference in size there as well. And I'll tell you what, you want to see some good tape. Throw on some tape of Javante Williams picking up blitzers. And is that right? Them. He's good he at it? Punishes people. Punishes them. Barry's linebackers coming on the blitz. Welcome to Pittsburgh. There's a great point here. This is the outfield uh, way back when was Stargell. Uh, a combination of Al Oliver and Gene Kleins and Roberto Clemente, the 1971 World Series champion Pirates, had Stargell, Oliver, and 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 Clemente, dude. <laughs> I mean, look. Even though his scoop was like a pretty good outfielder, again, he wasn't one of those like Gold Glove types or whatever. But we're talking about a guy who finished his career with a three sixteen batting average and has had reasonable arguments made on his behalf, reasonable for the Hall of Fame, just because of his extraordinary hitting, not just in, in with the Pirates, but everywhere that he went beyond that. What an amazing, amazing time that was. Oh, Al Oliver was a great player. Great, a legitimately great player. But again, yeah. you want to talk about overshadowed <laughs> by, by, the, by the guys around you there. Matt says, when does Malkin rejoin the top power play unit when he returns? This seems to be getting now lined up as a Jared McCann versus Evgeny Malkin argument. And I don't 
understand that because Jared McCann isn't playing the left point. Okay. When Malkin comes back, he and Chris Letang are your two point men. The issue here is between McCann and Brian Rust or Jake Gensel. That's it. You're not taking the greatest player of his generation off the power play either. Sidney Crosby staying. So Crosby staying, Latang is staying. Malkin will be the other point man. To me, I want McCann on that unit. You don't have to be Scotty Bowman to figure out that if somebody puts seven power play goals in and ha- leads your team by a mile in that category, he should kind of be part of it. I mean, I, I don't – but it's not McCann versus Malkin. If you want McCann on a power play, come at me with whether you want Rust off of that unit or whether you want Gensel off of that unit. But come loaded with Bear, man. You know? Yeah, Matt's comeback is that Malkin goes to the second unit. No. No. Again, who's taking Malkin's place on the left point? Who is the defenseman that you have out there instead of Malkin, it doesn't make any sense here. Chad wants to know, he's coming down in July of 14 through 17. Any recommendations? Yeah, Mike's Beer Bar. Mike's Beer Bar, it was easy. <laughs> Are the Pirates uh, in town then? I don't know. I don't know. I thought you would have memorized the schedule by now. No, not yet. Only through the next couple weeks. Yeah, I always say to anybody who's coming into town, just make sure you stay near the core. We're, we are a, a very centrally located. Everything in Pittsburgh is kind of in the middle. Uh, all of our roads lead to the middle. We don't even have a beltway like a lot of cities do here. We're getting there. The, uh, the beltway in Washington County opens up later this year. Yeah, boy, they got that done in a hurry, huh? Was Not about, soon enough for me. No, I was about, about well, like 35 they've been years? Working up for, yeah, they've been working on okay. it since I've been down here. But you know. Robert Hill wants to know if the Nationals have buyer's remorse with Josh Bell's performance. Can I just throw in, first of all, that in addition to like loving JB, as I did uh, when he was here and got to know him off the field as well, um, I really I have a distaste for when a player goes somewhere else and the, the fans here, not all of them, but some want the player to do badly uh, just because he went in the trade. The trade doesn't get any better or worse if the other player stinks, the player that sends out stinks. Uh, Will Crow pitched very well for the Pirates the other day in Minneapolis. Alex, you were there to cover it. Um, there's miles to go, man, <laughs> to say the least. And Will Crow is not even the main guy uh, that the Pirates got in the trade. It's you. Yeah, the young kid that the Nationals just didn't have the patience to develop. Uh, no, Nationals have no buyer's remorse because they realize that they are at the bar at 11.55 or oh, 1.55, I'm sorry, in the morning. It's closing time, last call. Drink, 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 because it's going to get really ugly soon for them. Yeah, but JB is off to a rough start. He also had, for what it's worth, a spectacular spring. Uh, he is a slumpy, streaky guy. It, it, it's as it's as simple as that. I want to I want to throw this over to Dale first. Do you think the Pirates uh, can happen, or do you think the Pirates fall happen, or can they win eighty games? I'm trying to read that properly here. Like an epic, an epic collapse, like an eleven or twelve. Yeah. I I don't see. First of all, I don't see them winning eighty games. I think that would be a pretty big stretch. I think if this team wins 70 games, that's a that's a pretty good, you know, because a lot of people had them losing 100. Well, to, to lose 100, you only win 62. 
So if they get to 70 wins with this group, that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good season. And I don't see it falling off because who are the tradable pieces right now? Frazier? Well, Richard Rodriguez. Yeah, Adam Frazier. Are you yeah, going to Adam give up Frazier. Richard Rodriguez at this point because he's, you know, he's still how many years of control do they have left with him? I, I don't even know. Oh, they have a lot. Yeah. I think it's that's what I'm saying. So yeah. why why would you trade that guy at this point? I mean, so it's not like they're it's not like they're going to have a big uh, a big fire sale here this year like they've done in some previous years. So I think the roster is the roster, and therefore that you know I, I think you can expect this team to to play at a, at a reasonable level the rest of the year. I think. At some point is, you know, when you're rebuilding, and I said this about the Browns a couple of years ago, and everybody was saying, oh, look at the Browns. They're, they're trading for all these future picks. That's great, but at some point you have to use them. They have to be players. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have, have to, to They have to turn into players. <laughs> well, with the Pirates, you, so you've, you've acquired all these prospects here with, with some of these offseason trades. Well, now you got to kind of let it co- coalesce a little bit and see what you got. And so I don't, I don't know if you, you, know, you go and have a fire sale with what you have left here. Stick with what you got and see how it works out for a year, and then and then go on, move on from there. I, I don't see them being a big seller at the trade at the trade deadline this year, other than maybe a Frazier. Alex, if this team does flirt with five hundred, it will be for one reason primarily, and I know Dan's going to agree with this. It's going to the rest be of the division bullpen. stinks. <laughs> That's two reasons. The other one is the bullpen's going to carry them. And we have seen from not only Rodriguez and Crick, but Clay Holmes taking a step. Dwayne Underwood Jr. coming in and looking really good. Oviedo, the results haven't been there, but you see stuff. You see him starting to develop as a pitcher. How about Sam Howard having one of the best swing and miss rates in in all of baseball? The beautiful thing is Derek Shelton, you know, they always say that the manager looks either as smart or as dumb as his bullpen, right? Well, Derek Shelton is an, is an actual genius. Derek Shelton is now like the smartest man in the world because every single name he calls from out there comes in and gets three outs and walks off the mound without a sweat. And well, he, this is, this is Shelton after every one of those, you know, if you can play a lot of those six inning games and not like the ones that Madison Bumgarner throws no hitters in, that's like, enough out of you. <laughs> you're going to win a whole lot more than you're projected for. I'll tell you what, the nice thing about it, when you, when you use your bullpen correctly, you do look smart as a manager. Um, you know, you, you you pick the right guys, you pull the starters at the right moment, you don't let them get tired and and, and run into trouble, things of that nature. It just makes you look so much smarter. It just does. Here's our, our last question for the day, and, of course, it's going to be NFL draft, and it comes from Chad. Plain and simple, who's the pick at 24? Actually, you know what, before Dale goes, because he has to be the climax here, uh, me and Alex are going to give this a shot. Uh, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say that somehow, some way, they're going to end up with Najee Harris. I know that's the most boring possible answer, but to me, there's – yes, there are teams that that are ahead of them that could go for a running back, whether it's the Dolphins, whether it's the Jets, whether it's somebody trading up. Uh, we've heard about Buffalo in that regard possibly going up, although Buffalo has been connected more to ATN than they have to Harris. Um I just think that there's a where there's a where there's smoke where there there's fire here. Uh, the Steelers really really like this player. This player has thrown public hints out. Harris has about being connected to the Steelers. So I, I'm going to go with him. It's 150 at the bar for the Pittsburgh Steelers too. In my opinion, if you don't really have you know a set quarterback after this year with Ben, you got to go with what's going to help the offense the most right now. 
I think it's Harris. I, I think in an ideal wor- world, guys, um, you know, they get Christian Derrissaw somehow falls to them. Um, you know, and so that's that would be, I think, my favorite pick there because he's a true left tackle. And he, and he looks like a, a you know a ten year starter there, but to me it, it, it it's got to be Najee Harris if, if if he's if he's there I would I, I think Steeler fans would fall in love with Javante Williams as well, um, you know I don't know that they would love ATN as much because he's more of a speed back they would love watching Javante Harris stiff arm people and run them over and do those kind of things, uh, but you know it, I think if if the Steelers had their choice there they would get that left tackle and it would be Christian Derrissaw. Wow, way to ruin this, Dale. No one wants a tackle, man. He asked what the what my favorite pick. That would be my favorite. I mean, that. I hear you. No, I hear you. And you know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They would be the happiest people in the world if it happens. They really would. Uh, They they would love to be set at that position for the next decade. Uh, And they probably think they're just going to go and get themselves a running back through some form or other. You know, who knows what. Uh, Anyway, I appreciate everybody participating. Uh, in this today, uh, to say the least, this show is made by the by the people who are on here, and Michael actually gets the final word today by saying that Dale is not wrong. You know why that is? Because he's a know-it-all. That's why. <laughs> That's why Dale is not wrong. Uh, thanks for watching, everybody.